The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Digital interfaces, displays, signage, and more are a fixture of our lives, and they aren't going anywhere. In fact, as digital displays get more flexible and sustainable, they'll continue to grow in usage. But at what impact to our health, to energy usage, and overall sustainability? Today, we're going to talk about creating sustainable, long-term digital displays that improve the lives of consumers and businesses. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Tim O'Malley, AVP of U.S. Business Operations at E-Ink, which you might not have heard of before um, that exact name, but if you've ever used an e-reader, seen digital retail display signage, healthcare signage, or even the recent color-changing BMW at CES earlier this year, you've probably seen their work. So, uh, Timothy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Um, So why don't we start with you giving a little background on yourself and a little bit about exactly what uh, E-Ink does, including a little bit of the technology itself, which is quite different from the typical LCD or LED screen. Sure. As you mentioned, um, at E-Ink, I've been there for over 20 years I like to say that I've sort of lived my life in the boundary between the technology side and the business side. So maybe that's an innovation focus, but I've led technology department. I've led some business department like I am now. And I've been there as we've unlocked several different markets and applications, and we're continuing to look to grow that. So the e-ink technology, we generally call them e-paper displays or EPD uses a special electronic ink technology that can move pigment in the inside of the display. 
it's the same type of particles that you have in an inkjet printer. So black and white or different colors, depending on the product. And whichever ones are on the surface is what you see. So if white's on the surface, you see white. If black's on the surface, you see black. And we can control that. It creates, therefore, a paper-like experience. It's using the exact same materials as printing does in paper, the white titanium dioxide. But it does so in a digitally dynamic way. So now you have effectively what looks like paper and functions like a digital display. Great. The particular benefit is it's low power, which we'll get into. Yeah, yeah, good, good stuff. So yeah, let's 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 dive in here. So, you know, according to Gartner, the global digital signage market was valued at twenty five point one billion in twenty twenty two, and is projected to reach fifty two point seven billion by twenty thirty two. So that's that's a lot of growth here. So you know, a lot a lot of movement in this in this market. So you know, let's start by the. Uh, talking about the environmental impact of all the digital displays, the signage, devices, and and all of that that are not only here today, but uh, you know, according to those those twenty thirty two figures, certainly going to be more tomorrow. So, as it's this market's growing rapidly, but that's really just one aspect of digital displays. We've got phones, tablets, televisions, laptops, refrigerators, watches. The list goes on and on. It's it's a lot of different things and a lot of power usage, right? So, uh, for instance, Germany recently prohibited the operation of digital out-of-home and digital signage screens between 10 p.m. and 4 p.m. or 4 a.m., I believe. Um, this this means that displays, LEDs, screens, and projections used as advertising systems can only be operated for six hours a day. So what are what are some of the common um, environmental and sustainability challenges and hurdles with digital signage? Yeah, excellent. Um, and you're up to speed on some of those recent changes happening in Europe. So let me take one step back, and then I'll take a couple steps forward as we go. So not only do we look at the amount of digital signage there is now and the growth of that. As I mentioned, we think of ourselves as e-paper displays, which means we're also looking at all of those paper displays that are installed everywhere. And those are opportunities for paper 2.0, or at least improving paper to be e-paper. And those digital displays, which use a lot of energy, are opportunities for us to reduce energy consumption uh, with the e-paper displays. So our frontier, we're looking at both the paper side and all those installations and the digital side. So if I start a little bit on the paper side, one area where there's a lot of digital displays going in with EPD is shelf tags in retail or small advertisement signs in retail. Traditionally, those things are typically printed. And you can imagine the environmental challenge of 20,000 to 100,000 to more than 100,000 small tags in yeah. each and every retailer. And every week, some portion of those have to be printed, shipped, distributed, unpacked, labor installed, and then the old ones thrown out or recycled. And that's happening every week as prices change, as the product mix on the shelf changes, et cetera. Yeah. When you replace the paper with a digital display, in the EPD case, one that can last five to seven years on a coin cell battery or two, 
then you're saving all of that carbon footprint from the printing, the distribution and shipping, the replacement and the waste. There's a huge carbon dioxide difference in something that doesn't need to be updated that often. On the digital side, if we look at things that are outside, if we look at things like uh, signs in bus shelters or in malls or on street corners, a lot of those take a lot of installation. So you have to dig up the concrete to run power. And the typical display wastes more than 95% of the energy that it sends, creates in its backlight. So there's a large energy requirement and most of the energy is wasted. Replacing those displays with something that can be 1% or 1% to 10% of the power can make them renewable energy compatible. So you can put a solar panel in co-located right on top of the bus shelter, for instance. And in that case, you don't have the installation cost nearly as much. You're not digging up concrete. And you're at a much less energy usage. So you're much more efficient on your renewable energy goals if you're a city. So those are some key ways that we see benefits in environmental and sustainability. There's also... Uh, an international dark sky association that looks at things like light pollution and the uh, displays, the EPD displays are certified dark sky compatible. Light pollution can be bad for wildlife in particular. So on the environmental side of thing, we also have maybe not as well known, but another interesting aspect from that side as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is interesting. And so, you know, you mentioned at a, at a high level some of the the applications, but could you give a, an example or two of you know how some companies were able to to implement some of those uh, some of those changes using your technology? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about shelf tags, just to throw some numbers out there. The difference between something that lasts five years without having to do that print distribution and a throwaway cycle can be like fifty thousand times difference in carbon dioxide footprint. So a large number. Uh, There's recent comments uh, from Walmart, and there was an announcement maybe six weeks ago about Walmart putting in 60 million shelf tags to start the installation. It's only 20% of what they plan on doing. And they see four different avenues of ROI from that. So it's both strong cost savings, which you would expect from energy savings, and strong environmental benefit by replacing paper in that type of application. Similarly, on the e-reader front, and you mentioned the e-readers such as the Kindle or the Kobo uh, up front, there's a multi-year use cycle that can have up to 100,000 times benefit compared to carbon footprint in a printing books, distribution, put on the shelves in a store potentially versus digitally delivering it to people's devices on demand. And so we see uh, the climate initiative, which is an Amazon-led initiative that's very much aligned to the sustainability that that product delivers. Yeah, yeah. And we're we're going to talk about the some of the health impacts in a second here too. But you know, just one other thing along for for those that aren't sold on the the environmental and and sustainability benefits of this. You know, I, I would also imagine just the the sheer ease of 
changing that you know the the idea of dynamic pricing or or other things like that versus having people because robots aren't doing it at this point at least you know changing all of these tags or or doing all of these things i mean there's there's got to be some cost savings for the for the organization in that in, in the long run wouldn't, wouldn't you say yes very significantly so so what in that particular industry the shelf tags started really in europe where the labor dynamics are very different. And so cost saving, especially cost saving on labor was a big part of the story. But as the product has matured, better features, lower cost, even lower power, you get the dynamic ability to compete more strongly with online, which has effectively no barrier to change their price every minute. Right. It's easier to reconfigure shelves if you can update displays. And so there's multiple avenues in inventory management and uh, business pricing. The pricing sort of allows you to move inventory that you want to. Uh, so you're getting not just the cost savings, but you're getting a lift on your overall revenue by installing them. And that has helped drive the adoption more from just Europe, but to worldwide. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So I want to talk about the the health impacts as well, because, uh, you know, again, uh, amazing benefits to the environment. But, you know, according to Nielsen, the average adult spends about 13 hours a day behind a screen. Um, I would say that's a good day for me. <laughs> so, you know, that's I would imagine there's there's, you know, since that's an average, there's a lot of people spending considerably more. Uh, and this has to have an impact on eye health, amongst other things, and, and particularly with children, you know, whose eyes aren't as developed and, and things. Can you talk about some of the issues related to health that all of the screen time causes? Sure. I've seen that figure, too, that 13 hours. And at first, uh, maybe your reaction was similar. Mine was just, that's so much time. It's yeah. more than half the day. Right. And then you start to add it up, and you're like, well, it's kind of reasonable, actually, you know, I work all day and then maybe I watch a little bit and maybe I'm on the computer for personal. Wow. And yeah. then you have your screen time on your phone. It tells you, tell, certainly tells my kids how many hours they've been on that day. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot. And, <laughs> and interestingly there to me is, you know, we're in this huge societal experiment one generation ago. I bet that number was much closer to, you know, one or two hours yeah. because yeah. we didn't have the portable addictive devices necessarily in our pocket. So this is, we don't have long-term effects yet on what this is doing. Yeah, We do have notable effects that are more short-term, like we know that blue light generates stress in our eyes. It's part of the reason you blink when you look up in the sky or bright light. 
And yet when we look at the displays that are pushing light into our eyes, we don't have the same reaction because it's a different experience. We're not evolutionarily wired to respond to that yet. And so the blue light that we're getting from those does cause eye strain, potentially causing eye damage, depending on the amount. And we also know that it affects a hormone like melatonin production. So general recommendations include things like not looking at a display for some period of time before going to sleep, which, of course, I'm sure nobody is listening to. <laughs> right, right. I've I've seen it. I've read it, but yeah, it's hard to it's hard to stick to that. Yeah, I mean that. I'm sure that's the time that people are using. Like, oh, just before I go to bed, I want to check on things. I want to check check up with people. Right. That's yeah. that's like the prime yeah. best half hour of the day to use your display. Right. Right. Yeah. So then, you know, recently uh, a Harvard study looked at uh, two different kinds of displays to determine the effects that different types of displays have on the eyes and, and eye health. Can you talk a little bit about um, the study and, you know, what types of technology they compared. Sure. So Inc. worked with the Harvard School of Public Health, in particular because of this 13-hour-per-day uh, usage of screens and the fact that the uh, e-paper displays are different, to look to see if using a different type of display could have different effect on the strain of the eye strain. So in particular, two different types of tablets were tested, uh, a traditional screen tablet and an e-paper display, e-reader or e-note with a front light. And the way they measured the amount of stress that the light coming off the display was causing was to look at something called a reactive oxygen species. So we're generally familiar with Chocolate's good for you because it has antioxidants, or right. coffee's good for you for the same reason. The opposite of that is these radicals like reactive oxygen species. And cells release them when they're under damage or under stress. And if there's enough of these radical species, it can make more permanent cellular structure damage. Yeah. So as a means of measuring how much strain or stress was on the cells... And these are basically retinal cells, the same that's in your eye. They put them in proximity to the display, and they measured how much of the species was generated. Okay. To skip a little bit ahead to the end, using well-designed front lights, so a front light is particularly a light that is on the front and casts down into the display, which is what the e-paper displays use, and then reflects back to your eye. And comparing that to both warm mode and night mode on traditional tablets, there can be an up to three times reduced amount of stress on the eye cells. Wow. So in short, using an e-paper display can be up to three times safer, better, less stressful for your eyes. Yeah. yeah. And so is it, is it the, the direction of the light then, or, you know, how, what, what is it about it that makes it less stressful then? Yeah, so there, there's a couple of things there. There's always intensity, so that's part of it. Yeah. The e-paper display has a wide field of vision. So if you tilt it on its edge, you can see it from a very yeah. steep angle, the same as you can with paper. And so you get a holistic amount of light coming off the display, not necessarily perfectly aimed at your eye. Uh, and creates that, it's called a Lambertian effect. 
um, of working with paper. But also, so that's intensity, but also there's spectra. So the exact frequency of the wavelengths of the light and how much of each of them, how much blue, how much green, how much yellow, how much red or white, that determines how much stress can on your eye. And in particular, we're all familiar with blue light is the stressful section, the lower wavelength. People are familiar with night mode on their phones or blue light glasses, blue light blocking glasses, particularly for this reason, because the blue light causes more stress. So the front light that was tested, the Comfort Gaze Plus, has a better mix of the spectra, a little bit less blue, a little bit more red, in order to reduce the amount of strain. Plus, it has the benefits of reflecting off the e-paper display. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Um, so w- one last um, topic I wanted to touch on. Um, it's uh, you know, based on a, a recent collaboration I saw um, from from E Ink, and you know I, I mentioned the color changing BMW briefly briefly at the beginning of the show. Um, that was at CES earlier this year, and you know personally fascinated by it because you know I from a branding perspective, from an automotive perspective, just, you know, it, it checks a lot of boxes for me, but, you know, I see, you know, in addition to the, the BMW, you've got color changing guitars, buildings, formula one, you know, all sorts of things, you know, so what can a color changing car teach brands about the potential, not only for cars, but, you know, multitude of services and how they can be customized in interesting ways. Yeah, um, I actually expected you to come up on that one because of your branding focus. <laughs> right, right. Did you catch the uh, the color changing toilet that Kohler unveiled in the the Shanghai show? A couple oh weeks no, ago I didn't. Too? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm thrilled that designers are experimenting. Right. So generally, we don't all have the same color car. We don't all have the same color clothes. If you wanted to go buy an iWatch or an iPhone right now, you could choose any of the four colors they have available. Right. And then, of course, we all get our specialized cases to actually tell people what we care about. My daughter's phone case has a rock climbing picture, somebody hanging by one hand on an awesome rock face, uh, because that's her brand. She thinks of herself as, you know, her activity is rock climbing at the moment. Yeah. And she wants her, the thing she carries to represent that. The interesting thing about the dynamic surface that we did with BMW on the iFlow car in that wonderful collaboration is that it creates emotional connection about what your brand is. It allows you to express who and what is valuable to you, who you are and why you are in a way that your clothes or your phone case or your watch does today. But now we're trying to expand that emotional connection to more things. Yeah. I think that's what makes it exciting is it's it, it allows personalization, but not just for personalization's sake, but for the brand communication of who you are and what matters to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I also see it as, as someone who has helped manage brands and, and all that stuff, consistency, so there's, there's, to your point, there's hyper personalization where, you know, I can make my car exactly what I want it to be, but there's also on the flip side, there's all of these surfaces that are now dynamic can thus be standardized or, you know, or, or things like that, but also not just 
stay one color they can be dynamically changed at the same time i mean to me i i see a lot of possibilities in in both absolutely we're we're at the early stage of that but i agree with you there's a lot of possibility on the make one standard and allow it to be used in many ways approach and a lot of uh, benefit in the personalization hyper personalization to create emotional connection I will say on that particular effort, a, a lot of what we look, what I look at and, and what I'm talking to people inside the company is very engineering focused. What utility can we do with this? And working with, in particular for that, the BMW and the design team, it's much more about how can we make it feel or how can we envision an experience? It goes beyond just the utility and that was very powerful to see that designers can unlock some of the engagement that they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Timothy, uh, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, one last question before we wrap up here. Uh, you know, we talked about a, a wide variety of topics here and, you know, not not just signage, but, you know, where, where do you see the industry, you know, whether it's signage, whether it's, you know, different applications of this technology, you know, where do you see it going next? And, you know, how do you see it impacting our society across sectors? That's a, that's a pretty big question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, just one answer. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so certainly you mentioned at partway through about the new regulation in Germany, uh, one yeah. that France is also looking at where there's a trend that I see that it has very much a, about wise energy use and sustainability. We're really caring about our energy sources and how we use the energy we have. And I do see that Europe is maybe the start of the trend. It will push the technology. And as the technology gets cheaper, gets easier to use, then it will be adopted more and more. And we'll continue to see that go around the world similar to the way shelf text did. And we'll see that in larger displays. We'll see that in products. Yeah. And so I, I do think that will be a trend is being aware of what, where we're getting our energy, how much we're using and what are we using it for? Yeah. At the same time, I hope on the healthy side, the study that we did with Harvard school of public health can help people to think about healthy choices no one's going to give up. We're not, the number 13 isn't going down. We're not going from right. 13 hours a day to nine hours. That's just, it's not going to happen. But maybe some of those 13 hours, people can make smart choices. Maybe they can read an old fashioned book. That'd still, that'd be great. Uh, maybe they can use an e-paper display. Maybe we get outside and do a little bit more listening while we run or something. I think there'll be some trend to the 13 hours will, as we start to see the true impact, like I said, it's a one generation experiment. We'll start to be wiser in how we consider these technologies for our own personal house. Uh, and, and I hope e-paper is part of that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, again, I'd like to thank Timothy O'Malley, AVP of US Business Operations at E-Inc for joining the show. You can learn more about Timothy and E-Inc by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. 
You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkillstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.